I want you to come with me to 1 John chapter 2. The title of my message is right from the scripture itself, Love Not the World. And there we read in 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I want to introduce you to a young woman. She is a journalist by the name of Barry Weiss. She began her journalistic career writing for the New York Times. She's Jewish, but that really has no bearing on her stand that she has been taking. And I'd like to just share with you just a little bit from her work. First of all, by way of introduction, after working three years at the New York Times, she became, in one word, disillusioned, but it went far beyond that. And she wrote a letter of resignation to the Times, which I'd like to share with you. One small part of it, which read this way. It is with sadness that I write to tell you that I am resigning from the New York Times. I joined the paper with gratitude and optimism three years ago. This is just a couple of years ago. I was hired with the goal of bringing in voices that would not otherwise appear in your pages. First-time writers, centrists, conservatives, and others who would not naturally think of the Times as their home. The reason for this effort was clear. The paper's failure to anticipate the outcome of the 2016 election meant that it didn't have a firm grasp on the country it covers. Dean Baquit and others have admitted as much on various occasions. The priority in opinion, the opinion section, was to help redress that critical shortcoming. And then she went on to explain why she was resigning. This is one small part of it. But the lessons that ought to have followed the election, lessons about the importance of understanding other Americans, the necessity of resisting tribalism, and the centrality of the free exchange of ideas to a democratic society, have not been learned. Instead, a new consensus has emerged in the press. This is coming from a journalist. But perhaps especially at this paper, that truth isn't a process of collective discovery, but an orthodoxy already known to an enlightened few whose job is to inform everyone else. Now, I can't share the whole thing, but she picks up on the fact that, in her opinion, and in many others as well, the New York Times is not merely reporting news. They are reporting opinions about the news. Not a surprise to us, but for a 37-year-old woman, I credit her with a lot of insight, perhaps beyond her years. Now, what she did after resigning from the New York Times was she started her own online newspaper, and it's called About Common Sense. Now, none of what I'm reading to you is identified with coming from a Christian perspective, which is why I'm sharing it with you. Concerning her new online newspaper, she writes, there are tens of millions of Americans who aren't on the hard left or the hard right who feel that the world has gone mad. Now, to begin with, I want to let you know how often I'm hearing this 
phrase from all types of people who don't necessarily identify with being born again. Same phrase. It's like the world's gone crazy. And this is what she's saying here. Science, she says, is at the mercy of politics. Identity trumps ideas. In the name of progress, art is erased and history is rewritten. Obvious truths are dangerous to say out loud. This newspaper is for those people. It's for people who want to understand the world as it is, not the world as some wish it to be. Now this is a curious statement coming from her because that's a statement that I coined. When I'm talking to people who are having trouble with life, I often share with them that the sooner they can accept life as it is, instead of the way they think it should be or wish it would be, the sooner you can get to a resolution of peace within yourself. But I have found this throughout my life to be very curious. I'll coin a phrase and use it and then it appears in other people's works which I'm not saying they've plagiarized me, I'm just saying that there's people that can figure this out. We cannot see the world as we wish it would be. We need to see the world the way it is. We need to see human nature the way it is. So she writes, again, the paper, the online paper called About Common Sense. It is for people who want to understand the world as it is, not the world as some wish it to be. It's for people who seek the truth rather than the comfort of a team or a tribe. It's for people who prefer to think for themselves. And in that one paragraph, every sentence is something I promoted for decades. Think for yourself. You have the advantage when you hear me preach of me reiterating over and over again, go home and read it. Go home and read the Bible for yourself. I don't preach novel ideas. I mean, new ones. There really is nothing new under the sun with few exceptions. It's for people who want to understand the world as it is and not the world as some wish it to be. It's for people who seek the truth rather than the comfort of a team or a tribe. And that's what we, theoretically, are seeking when we read the Bible. The world as it is and the world as it will be and not as the way we want it to be, wish it should be, and so forth. Yet there's more people out here, obviously, who are speaking this. It's for people who prefer to think for themselves. I've always been an independent thinker. I'd like to think for myself. You should do the same. Now, one more thing. In her online newspaper, she has various articles written by different people. And this young woman has been writing a series of articles about the woke movement. We see where it's permeated in politics and in our culture with the cancel culture and critical race theory and so on. Now, it seems it has come to our medical colleges. And I want to read to you from this other young lady. I think her name was Katie her article is titled, Med Schools Are Now Denying Biological Sex, Medical Schools. Our daughter-in-law went to medical school. That's where you go to become a doctor. And what she's writing is that in some of the higher institutions in our country, not all of them, are now adopting this denial of biological sex. The subtitle says, professors are apologizing for saying male and female. Students are policing teachers. This is what it looks like when activism takes over medicine. Now, I'll just explain to you what's going on here. There was a student in one of the classes who recorded what the professor was saying and gave it to this reporter anonymously. And so she writes about it. She wrote, during a recent endocrinology course at a top medical school in the University of California system, a professor stopped mid-lecture to apologize for something he'd said at the beginning of class. Now, listen up real carefully for this. This was recorded. The professor didn't know he was being recorded. Quote, 
I don't want you to think that I am in any way trying to imply anything. And if you can summon some generosity to forgive me, I would really appreciate it, the physician said in a recording provided by a student in the class whom I'll call Lauren. Her name isn't Lauren. Again, I'm very sorry for that. It was certainly not my intention to offend anyone. The worst thing that I can do as a human being is to be offensive. She writes his offense using the term pregnant women. I said when a woman is pregnant, which implies that only women can get pregnant. And I most sincerely apologize to all of you. Do you have any idea what medical school costs? And some parents somewhere is paying for at least the majority of these students to help them out with loans or whatever to go to medical school to have a professor of endocrinology apologizing for saying that when I said that only women can get pregnant, I didn't mean to offend anybody. And so it goes and on and on and on and on it goes. In a word, it can be succinctly stated the world has gone mad. Which interestingly is exactly what the Bible says concerning the coming of a tribulation period, an antichrist, that's a self-explanatory term, antichrist. It doesn't mean it'd be anti-Christianity, just antichrist. And the apostle Paul writes, he says, and because they love not the truth, God shall send them a strong delusion. It has the adjective strong. A strong delusion because they did not love the truth. Now in 1988, I began the radio ministry that goes by the name of the Time for Truth Ministries or simply the Time for Truth. And then when we started this work here in this building, I adopted the name from the radio broadcast, the Time for Truth Ministries. Why did I use the term? <clears throat> Back in 1988 was because, as I saw it, it was just time to speak the truth, albeit in love, but to speak the truth. Now, and this is an encouragement to me, not necessarily an endorsement, but an encouragement to me that there are young people out here. This woman here, Barry Weiss, Jewish by ethnicity. I don't know if she associates her Jewishness with her religion. I don't know. But people without the Bible are being able to figure out the state this world is in. I'm also taken back by how frequently writers use Orwellian statements. I mean, it's very frequent. 1984. I think is the most imposing example of a man who was not writing as a Christian theologian, preacher, teacher. He was just saying that this is how it could go. And amazingly, it's been going pretty much the way the book has been written. As someone has said, that 1984 was supposed to be a novel, not a manual. And so a professor of medicine, one who I assume has some prestige, obviously some tenure, I read a little further on this subject, and it appears that there are people in the medical community that are alarmed, I mean, tenured professors, tenured physicians, that are alarmed at this, but all of them, all of them are afraid to speak out in public. Why? They'll lose their job. They'll lose their reputation. They may lose their tenure, and so on. So, <laughs> where are the preachers? I've shared with you in the past that I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it can't matter to the preacher whether people like the truth or dislike the truth. And I've seen this on more than one occasion, and I'll say it this way, that God raises up people who don't profess to be coming from the Bible to saying, I will not write for this newspaper. By the way, she talks about the hostility of the environment. Again, she's Jewish. Co-workers saying, oh, she's writing another Jewish article. 
And we don't expect that in this culture, especially in some trades. Yet we're seeing an ideology, a philosophy of life and of the world being thrown at us, but it cannot stick to us. We must love the truth. Amen. We must see the world as it is. We must see humanity as it is and not as we wish it should be. Let me just say this very quickly and we'll get to the scriptures. One of the primary reasons communism is not a good idea philosophically. I mean, if you read about it, think about it philosophically, what's well, a pretty good idea? We all get our money and put it in one place. We even read this in the Bible. And those that had little did not lack. And those that had much had nothing left over and everybody's good. There's only one problem. It's the human heart. There's always someone in the crowd that says, huh, this is my opportunity. And as I shared with you just recently, you pass out a dollar bill to 10 people, come back in six months, one person will have all 10 of them. And the other people will be actually believing why it's good that he control or she controls the 10 and that you give us a little bit here or there, an allowance. You see, communism, Marxism, socialism does not take into account human nature. It's selfish. But for little people, I mean, the people at the bottom of the food chain, they say, this is great. We take from the wealthy, who have not always been friends of the gospel either, and we divide this all up and everything works out well. And no, it doesn't. And no, it hasn't. And Common Sense, the name of her new online newspaper, Common Sense would say it has never worked out. Never. And it never will. Until Christ comes, there will be no peace on earth. And as we read the scriptures, and as I argue pretty much on a weekly basis, you must love the truth to love the Bible. Otherwise, you're going to start to amend it. Then you'll start to adulterate it. And if you're a preacher, you will leave people with the impression the Bible is saying something it is not saying. Or you will impress the people that the Bible is pointing to something it is not pointing to. And so we read in 1 John chapter 2 at verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And then we have this. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We are living in prophetic times. Bible prophecy under the topic of eschatology is being fulfilled every day everywhere, or so it seems. It's not hard to see it. It's hard to miss it. Again, I'm being presumptuous here. I don't know what Barry Weiss knows about the Bible, Old or New Testaments. I don't know. But I say to myself, if a journalist can see it and write about it and say, I refuse to work for this paper. I refuse because I see what you're doing. Why does not the Christian who says, I have the spirit of God not see it and respond accordingly? Everything that we see, well, I mean, much of what we see is a fulfilling of the prophecy of scripture. Thankfully, we have hope. Thankfully, we have God who has given us this knowledge so that we can be saved, saved from the wrath to come. And if we don't believe that there's wrath to come, then salvation becomes a very watered-down word. It's a nebulous term. It may mean you associate with a certain church or <laughs> journalist, not necessarily Barry Weiss, but others will just label you, marginalize you into some group. Oh, he's just one of them evangelicals. I've had that happen to me. If I'm confronted face-to-face, -face, I make sure that before that person leaves, they understand exactly what I believe. Amen. Uh, I had a couple of people pulling on my arm in the gym some time ago thought they would just tell me what they felt about the then current President Trump. Then they thought they were gonna leave me. Surprise. I grabbed them both. 
I said, you think you're just going to dump on me and leave me standing here? Let me tell you a few things. You don't know anything about what I believe. And I'll let you know what I believe. I'm not extreme left, that's for sure. But I'm not really extreme right either. But if you want to identify me with the Bible and believing every word of it, then I'm an extremist. And I don't care what anybody thinks about that. I truly don't. I mean it. I truly don't. You've seen, some of you who've seen my little YouTube channel, which I put out for anxiety and depression, I say, hey, leave me a thumbs up or give me a thumbs down. (laughs) It's all good to me. I've grown such thick skin over all these years because of this. I have known whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. That day is coming. A blind man could see this in the dark. But many and most don't and won't for one reason and one reason only. They love not the truth that they might be saved. Look at verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father. Now, you know the Father is the creator, is God. None of this is from him, but is of the world. And so we come to a definition. Cosmos is the Greek word for world, but does not mean as we use the word cosmos. Cosmos means an orderly arrangement that would apply to the stars and the moon and the planets. But in this context, it means the arrangement of things as they are coming from human beings who do not know God. And that includes the religions of man as well. This, the Bible says clearly, is not from the Creator. Verse 17 tells us that the world is passing away. And be clear about this, though I've mentioned it to you before. The world and planet Earth are not the same thing. The planet will not perish, but the system that's in place in and around the globe will pass away. Christ has told us, the apostles and prophets of the Old Testament as well have told us, there will be a golden age, that Christ will build, recreate new heavens and a new earth. There is much to be hopeful about. However, it will be a rough ride from here to there, of which we are also told. So much so that Jesus said that the great tribulation would surpass anything that has ever happened in human history. And for those of you who are even briefly acquainted with human history, that's quite a statement. I won't go into today whether we as Christians are taken up before this great tribulation as we here believe. Or some say, no, it's going to happen in the middle of that tribulation. And some say it's going to happen at the end. But what I want to impress upon you is that it's going to happen. We see the beginnings of it now. But it's going to pass away. It's going to die. This present system is going to die. You know, let me just talk to you a little bit about money. Have you ever noticed, and I know some of you have read books by motivational speakers and self-help books, and especially in business. I'm reading, I won't even mention his name. So I've read a book, almost finished with it, about, you know, success. And he just goes on and on. And at times when he's writing, I'm saying he's actually gone from positive thinking to delusions. But the emphasis in the end, no matter how much they say, well, I'm not really talking about money, then they talk about money. How did this creep into the church? This very doctrine, this very ideology, this philosophy, how did it creep into the church that we can be immoral and still be saved? How we can be thieves and liars and still be saved? And I mean the practice of it. I left my former denomination for that very reason. The people who were above me, that's a manner of speaking, were thieves 
I only assume they still are. And they were liars. And I caught them. And yet pastors were willing and still are willing to put up with that for whatever their reason may be. And I was not. I told these men, when I stood before them, there was nine of them and one of me. Have you ever been in a fight that wasn't fair? And again, if you watch my broadcast, I was brought up from 15 years old on until about 20, fighting, training as a boxer. And I never fought guys my age. I was always fighting retired professionals that were 25 years older than me or 20 years older than me, Golden Glove champions. I was always in a fight that just wasn't fair. I would get hit a lot in the head. And when I would go back to the corner, my trainer would say, you're getting an education. <laughs> it's a tough way to get an education, but you get educated by getting hit in the head a lot. And what do you learn? How to avoid a punch, how to slip one, how to come under, and so forth. We have to come to a place where we understand that this world is passing away if we're going to have peace. That this world is passing away and the lusts of it and come to this understanding, he that does the will of God shall abide forever. The gift of eternal life. My belief is that this world always gives you some form of death. Not a final death, I mean just some type of a death. Now if you will, picture over here in a circle. And I write in the circle, the world. And over here, well, we really can't contain the circle because it has no boundaries. And that's called the kingdom. And the Bible only recognizes two entities that we would know as countries or nations or whatever label you want to put on it. There's the world and there's the kingdom of God. And you either belong to one or you belong to the other. You cannot belong to both. Cannot belong to both. Back, I don't know how long it's been. It's been quite some years, decades. Christian musicians, singers, and so on, came up with this idea of what they call crossover music. Precisely the definition of crossover music is left in the heart and mind of the artist, I suppose. But basically the idea is this. You write a song, you perform the song, sing the song, and you know the world can kind of identify with that. And then the Christian, and I use the word kind of, it can kind of identify with that. But the way I learned the Bible, just from reading it, is that it's very clear what's of Christ and what is not. And I'm not too hesitant to say, although you listen to these very endearing, they're meant to be endearing, explanations of why you play music the way you play music as a Christian, but it's still all about money. Now this I know, still all about money. Amy Grant, who's been popular for many, many decades as a Christian artist, has recently come out and made a statement about the LGBTQ community, that in honesty in reading it, it's not a resounding endorsement, but it isn't any statement against it either. And I believe that that stands, her recent statement, stands as an example of what we cannot be. We cannot be misunderstood in the message of the gospel. Again, let me say it this way. We talk in America about Democrats. They're the problem. Then we talk about Republicans. They're the problem. Then in between, we have centrists and conservatives and liberals and everything else. But the Bible, again, only recognizes two types of people, righteous and unrighteous. That's why we need to use biblical terminology. A man that I know committed adultery. He was ashamed. He was sorry. He did repent. But he used the word, I had an indiscretion. I said, you mean that you committed adultery? You see, that euphemism, an indiscretion, doesn't have the full impact of what the Bible says in the seventh commandment, Exodus 20. God said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But if we substitute words for that, like affair 
or even womanizer, which is a pretty strong term. You know, people like Clint Eastwood have backed off, not using the word, he's backed off saying that he was sorry for what he did when he was younger. He said, I was a serial womanizer. And I say to myself, if Clint Eastwood, who again, I don't know that he identifies as a Christian, but if they could say these things, why aren't preachers saying this? Why aren't people in the church saying this? I committed adultery. I stole. I lied. I bore false witness. Well, if we're going to have any chance and semblance of peace in this chaotic, crazy, sinful world, we're going to have to acknowledge the truth and not be as Jack Nicholson's character accuses Tom Cruise's character of saying, you can't handle the truth. We better handle it. Verse 1 of chapter 2 says, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And so it's clear that God has given us a commandment not to go back and do the things we did before we came to him and were born again. But then it says in the latter portion of verse 1, And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. What it means is that we cannot willfully sin against God, but we know that we do. Not willfully, but I mean we sin against God. And now we have the propitiation. So it's not sinless perfectionism that means love not the world. It means your heart is 100%. It's not 98. It's not 95. It's not 90. It's 100%. Let me say something here. I discovered some years ago what is for some the leading cause of backsliding from the Lord. And it's not what you might expect. You know what it is? Boredom. Same old thing. Get up in the morning and read and pray. Same old thing. Go to meeting and so on. You know, why do people switch churches so much? They're bored. New church opens up in town. It's a happening place. They go. Somebody over there is the happening preacher. They go. They can endure routine or discipline. The Greek word for disciple, mathetes, means a disciplined one and a pupil. Interestingly, once again, coming, I assume, from the world, a writer and author by the name of Cal Newport, professor at MIT, he's a young guy, another young guy. She's 37, he's 39. And he's writing these books, and one he wrote on the subject of deep work as opposed to shallow work. And interesting that these things come. You say, why do you read secular books? Because I look for those things and say, well, the Bible already said that. It actually helps my preaching. You see, I didn't want to just be acquainted with the Bible. I wanted to know the Bible. I spent my entire adult life studying the Bible, reading the plain text. I wasn't even interested so much of how the Hittites discovered or invented the guitar. I just want to know how they lived and how does that apply to us? Interesting that Cal Newport, this young professor at MIT, is stating and other writers are saying the same thing. Get away from the social media. But his whole expertise is writing computer code. And he points out all these big shots that some people look up to. One who didn't even have a cell phone. I'll leave off their names. One who has no Twitter account, no Facebook account, because they're doing deep work and they find this to be a distraction to what they're called to do. In any case, he and other authors are saying, so if you're going to do deep work, you're going to have to embrace the boredom. Those of you who have been proficient or are proficient at anything, I'm going to use the example of scales on a piano or classical guitar or violin or other instruments, vocals, singing scales, rudimental drumming. Not many kit players are rudimental drummers. Rudimental drummers run down these stroke combinations, which we call rudiments. And you could be at this 50, 60 years, and you always swarm up the same way with a long roll. It's two strokes on the left, two strokes on the right. Fundamentals, but boring. I did that when I was 10 years old. Just run down the long roll, warm up. 
scales. Classical guitarists practice scales sometimes two hours a day. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. Hey, you're a world-class guitarist. But see, these are fundamentals, and it can get boring, but you have to embrace the boredom, because not every minute is an ideal time to stay addicted to adrenaline. If you want to be shallow, be all over the place. Let the green light always be on on the Facebook account, while you're on the Twitter account, while you're over here, while you're in a chat room, while you're doing all these things. And my point is this. If we're going to do deep work in anything, let's do deep work in Christ, because it requires that. The crucifixion of the self, the crucifixion of the sin life, and so on, requires deep work. That's why I read theologians that have long passed away. I have a volume of books in my library called the Pulpit Commentary. I don't know what I paid for them at the time. It was over $100 back then, 40 years ago. That was a good sum of money. Now I got the same volume for, I think it was $1.99. It was digitized. But when you open that up, the theologian who's explaining the text then puts something, as it says in Latin, and puts it all in Latin. Not many people today are proficient in Latin, let alone Greek and Hebrew. I mean, preachers. What has happened? The deep work of the Word of God has been left aside for shallow work, putting out little campfires here and there, running all over the place, or just being the really sharp CEO of the church. Well, for me, I don't want to be sharp as much as I want to be deep. I don't want to be shallow. I want to know him in whom I have believed I want to know Jesus. And in order to know Jesus, there's a price to be paid. Because verse 2 says he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. For God so loved the world, which we are told not to love. Sounds like a contradiction, but context explains. God so loved the world, he sent Jesus to be not a savior, the savior. And the only savior, one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. The man, Christ Jesus. In order to know him, we have to be deep. It takes, for lack of a better term, practice. Running down those long rolls of scriptures that we already know. Do we already know them? I tell you, for me... 44 years of studying, reading the Bible on a daily basis, I'm always finding new things in passages I've read a thousand times. Or at least it feels like a thousand times. I want to go deeper with him. Because the world needs the message of Jesus Christ. He is the only Savior that did come and is going to come, and there is none else. But we're taught not to love the world in its lusts and its pride and all of its values. I think for those of us who are older, age teaches us certain lessons. Let's just look at yourself physically after you've lived so many decades on the earth. And gravity is not in your favor. I mean, you're sagging. Gravity is not in your favor. And that alone should say, hey, you know what? How much effort should I really put into this? How much effort? And by the way, there are very good things. I mean, Bach, of course, believed that all music should be to the glory of God. Not some music, all music. And I can tell you from living on Route 30, that a lot of the music I'm hearing at a decibel that outdoes Lear Jets is certainly not glorifying to God. But then again, I listened to plenty of it when I was young myself. I plan on using my musical gifts and talents to glorify God. And the Bible further says that whatever your hand finds to do, do it with thy might, and use everything to glorify God. Let me ask you this question today. Does that describe you? Are you deep or are you shallow? 
jack of all trades, master of none. Well, let me advise you, go deep with God. Because I'll tell you something. Is there ever been a time when we need to know God is so close to us? We're walking through troubled times. This is tantamount to where I grew up in a troubled neighborhood. You see, where I grew up, you knew what street not to go to because that's somebody else's neighborhood. We're safe if we abide. Let's look at this here. Verse 3, hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Do you keep his commandments? Jesus' commandments? He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. This is exactly what Jesus said. He that has my commandments and keeps them, that's the one that loves me. He that has my commandments and does not keep them, that's the one that does not love me. Now why would someone say to me, you don't know my heart? <laughs> I say, I do. No, I'm not going to argue the point. It's no sense in most cases when you hear that kind of a statement. They're just saying, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And no one can judge me but God. That's true. But God has already judged you. We see, if we don't keep the commands of God, I don't mean necessarily even the Ten Commandments. I mean just what Jesus taught us. The chiefest of which is this. Love God. Okay, that's easier. You know, let me say real quick. I post every Saturday night to remind people everywhere that Sunday is the Lord's Day. Maybe you've seen that post. I put it up every Saturday night. And a few scripture verses that go with it. And you want to know, of all the things, of all the sermons I've preached, of all the devotions I've posted, live streaming, radio, everything, do you know the one that gets me the most negative feedback? Is that post there from Christians? Yeah, just last Sunday. Got a couple, three responses from, I'll not name the group. Well, they're all about brothers and sisters. A, this person, I don't know if it's a man or woman. I don't need to be at church to worship God. I wanted to write back and say, you are the church. But I didn't answer. This type of thing, I don't need to be there. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves one to another. As the manner of some is. But I'm not going to debate with people who don't know what they're talking about. And a third installment, in response to a little meme with some scriptures, a little exhortation on the top of it. Oh, and by the way, Sabbath is the real Lord's Day. I said, you know... I'm not going to do your homework for you. We've discussed that here. We've taught that here. How since the beginning, Sunday was the day that Christians worship God through Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to explain that to all these people. If they're not going to do their own homework, I'm not doing it for them. I'm just simply saying, it's interesting and curious to me that I usually get, often get more antagonism from saying, well, I'm a Christian too. Remember I told you that on two occasions in my life, twice, I've had someone sit in my office on two different occasions, two different people over two different periods of time, say to me, I can do what you do. And I told you what I said. Do it. See how much fun it is. I'm as smart as you. Both of them said this. Then do it. I'm as anointed as you is. Oh, as you are. <laughs> then I said, well, if you were, then you'd be doing what I'm doing. When we come to this, this is my point. The commandment of Jesus is love one another. Well, if you're not here, how can you love me? Yeah, if you don't even know each other's names, how can you love one another? Hey, buddy. Love you, buddy. I often tell people, my name's not Buddy. That's my dog. My dog is Buddy. I'm Pastor Ray. Hallelujah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Is that one for me or the dog? My name is not Buddy. But, you know, people say that stuff. Just because they got bad memory or whatever. I don't take it too seriously. 
But he said, love one another. This is a commandment. This is my commandment. If you love me, oh, we love you, Lord. We love you. We love you. Then love each other. Turn around and love each other. And that's where we have difficulty. Well, he and she, no, 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 no. Those are excuses. Love one another as I have loved you. This is what is going to get us through. I'm convinced of this. Listen, I told you Friday night, my pain level was about a seven. I solicited prayer, and I rarely do that. By the time lunchtime came, it was zero. Zero. And I'm telling you, it was the prayers of God's people. Yes, I took two ibuprofen. I'm kind of like used to this. I've had this before. And when it gets to a seven, well, medicine doesn't usually do a whole, whole lot. But prayer does. Prayer does. I've come to believe that there's something about us praying for one another that has the power of touch. That God, yes, he can solve your problem all by himself, but he requires us to love one another in prayer and so on and so forth. Are we not different? Ethnically, we're different in background. We're different in this. We're different in that. And Jesus says, yeah, I know all that. Love one another. And Jesus and his disciples, picture this. You have Matthew who works for the IRS, which they were not kind. The Romans were not kind to Jews. They were not kind to a lot of people. But Matthew, who is a Jew, works for the IRS and is not only collecting money from his brethren, family, and friends, but he's extorting them as well. Then you have Simon Zelates. They're on the same team. Simon says, let's kill him. What should we do? Let's just kill him. And Matthew says, I don't know. We could make some money. <laughs> now, Jesus is talking to them. And he says, now love each other. I'm just trying to, the Bible says nothing about it. I'm trying to imagine how these two worked it out, their politics. You see, if we want to truly know peace, we must know Christ. But it's more than just knowledge. It's got to be obligation to obey, to do what he said to do. This is what the book is saying. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. And so we have this here as we go down in 1 John chapter 2. And we see throughout this book, by the way, this epistle, the theme is on love and righteousness. The apostle John would go on to write this. He said, little children, let no man deceive you. He that is, and I'm going to paraphrase it, he that is doing righteousness, that's the righteous one. And we live in a time in the church culture where we say and we hear, don't let that man put you under bondage. It's not by works, it's by grace. I agree, it is by grace. But I've read Romans 6, memorized it, Romans 8 as well. Galatians chapter 2 and other verses that says grace, Titus, it says that grace is a dynamic quality that changes somebody from the inside out. Hallelujah. It changes the behavior. And now it gives us a desire to do that which in times past we had no desire to do. Amen. Love not the world. This is not the way of the world. The way of the world is that I'm your friend until I am not your friend. And the way of Christ is I'm your brother and your sister always. And we disagree and so on and so forth, but that happens in families. I'm your brother, I'm your sister, always for eternity. When someone has truly been born again. You know what? We should actually go back to chapter 1 so we can establish something here. In chapter 1 of 1 John, it says in verse 6, If we say that we have fellowship with him, with Christ, and walk in darkness, that means willfully committing sin, we lie and do not the truth. Listen verse 7, but... 
If we, we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. See, that's a condition. Ecumenism says it doesn't matter what you believe in respect to the Bible. I'm talking about Christians now. Just hold hands in kumbaya. The Bible says, no, 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 no. If you're walking in the light and the other is walking in the light, then you have fellowship one with another. Until that time comes, we need to just go slow. It doesn't mean we don't love people. It means we just got to go slow. Because true fellowship is based on the fact that you're walking in the light and I'm walking in the light. And then we have fellowship one with another. The call of this world is every day, through music, through entertainment, through all types of things, the world is calling your name. For those of you who have actually left, come back. It was better in Egypt when you ate leeks and honey, leeks and onions, rather. This quick, sodic call of an invisible God coming from some man who just came down from a mountain about a land flowing with milk and honey, you don't believe it. There's giants in that land. You can't overcome them. Come on back to Egypt. How many of you can say today that the way of walking in the Lord over the last few years, several years, seems to be getting harder? Anybody feel that way? Seems like it's getting harder. And so you hear the call from Egypt, come on back. Don't you remember the good times we had? I mean, you were the life of the party. Good time Charlie. But the devil never reminds you of good time Charlie with his face in the toilet. Or the time you were laying in the curb from an overdose. Or how many marriages you went through and so on. But when Christ came and he called you, he said, Come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Amen. Come, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. and You shall find rest for your souls. Here's what I want to tell you today. If you're looking for rest in the world... If you're looking for a champion to come out of a political party, have at it. It'll ultimately let you down. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not preaching fatalism and determinism. Just, well, just sit back and do nothing. Not at all. I told you about the man I met who was so disgusted with politics. Now, he told me he was taking his American flag down. I said, what? Why? And he went through this whole grousing soliloquy. I said, what are you going to do? So first of all, I'll keep my American flag up. It's not going anywhere. And if it gets a tear in it like it did last year, then I'll get another one. I'll keep getting another one. I'll get the flagpole to get higher and another one. But I said, I've got a pulpit, and I'm going to preach the word of God. I'm not going to sit back doing nothing. So I'm not advocating doing nothing. I'm simply saying that if you trust in horses and you trust in chariots, you need to remember the name of the Lord, the God who delivered Israel, who delivers his church, who delivers his people, for he alone has salvation in his right arm. He alone. And there is none else. He alone has salvation in his right arm. Love, not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. And I want to make this clear if I haven't. I enjoy several things that are related to this present time. Athletics is one. You know that. Well, mostly I like my own athletics, meaning working out. And I think there's many things, nature, of course, we can enjoy. You can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. But if your idea of being somebody... When I was young, I looked at some of these people who were famous, and I wanted to emulate them. I wanted to be like them. Then I read, as I got older, when I was saved as well, I was reading the story of their lives behind closed doors. It wasn't so pretty. Who's got an anxiety attack? 
who's got panic and depression, whose marriages and all the other strange things, some of them just abominable things. See, the appearance wasn't the reality. You want to be the reality. You want to be what God said to be. And if you are at peace with Christ, you're going to realize you can't get enough of him. We just sang, and I'll close with this. We just sang one of my favorite modern songs. I don't listen to much contemporary Christian music, but this one I think is a keeper. It's a good one. When I'm alone, how many people in this world today, regardless of marriage and family and so on, you feel so alone? I don't ask you to raise your hand, but I know that there's plenty of you here. Even though you have the family, your husband, the husband, the children, all that stuff, there's something inside you that you feel so alone. The lyrics cover that in this song. When I'm alone, give me Jesus. And when I come to die, give me Jesus. Because you see, people who have not bothered with me for many years, who's on the phone with a lawyer, sometimes calling the police, other things, when they come to die, see, Pastor Ray, give me a call. Ask the church to pray for me. I just had that happen to me just a few weeks back. Someone who has had no interest in Jesus in a long, long time now is having a very hard time of it. Can you ask the church to pray? And the answer is yes. Certainly. Absolutely. Because that's what Jesus did for us. And that's what we do for other people. But the point I want to make is this. Don't make the mistake of wasting your life chasing after the things that are ephemeral and vaporous, as the Bible describes, to come to the end and say, what's it all about? God wants to touch you today so that your love and affection is drawn to him. And again, once you really start to taste and see that the Lord is good, you just can't get enough. You can't get enough. Let's go before the Lord today. And let's just take a moment. Just take a look at our lives. I have found that the closer I walk with the Lord, the more I actually enjoy the life that I'm in. I mean, this life. Obviously, I don't enjoy the same things you do not enjoy, which is all the craziness and the sin and other things. But I found that the more I draw close to Christ, the more I appreciate his nature, birds and trees and rivers and streams, even people. Do you love the Lord? Remember, the love of the world means you don't have the love of the Father. But do you love the Lord more than anything? Ask it to yourself. I mean, do you really love the Lord with all the heart, all the soul, all the mind, all the strength? The talents that you have are not yours. Your intellect, I say music because I think of myself, other things, they're not yours, they're God's. And you'll know you love the Lord when you develop your gifts and talents and use them for his glory. And it's proven by this. Do you love the brethren? Do you love the weak and the infirm as well as those that are strong or well-to-do? That's the test. So let's go ask the Lord right now to renew us again. Father, we just ask you today in Jesus' name that when we come to die, we won't lay on a bed of affliction or sickness or whatever it is, regretting that we never really gave you everything. Fearful that we're going to give an account for the talents and gifts that are yours. And we never use them. I pray today, God, will the people sitting here, those watching by way of television, those listening by way of the radio, would not have that regret. But right now, no matter how old they are or young, they will be full out for Christ and learn how good, how pleasant is the Lord. Help us, God. Help us. Pour out your spirit, God. Help us. We need your help today. Let us not be found in that crowd that calls evil good or good evil but 
rather to be found in that crowd that calls good, good, and evil, evil. To love you with all the heart, all the soul, all the mind, and all the strength, than to go out and love one another. On these two laws, we know the entire Bible hangs on it. Help us, God, today to have a heart that is right with you. That we can truly say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And so, Lord, we bless you today and continue to pray, God, that your gospel will go forth into all the world as it is right now. One of the premier signs that your coming is exceptionally close. This gospel shall be preached to the whole world for a witness. Then the end shall come. Even so, come. Lord Jesus, cause us this week to be reminded to love you with all the heart, all the soul, all the mind, and all the strength, and also to love one another. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Let's say amen together. Amen. 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 amen.